Welcome to NetSmart Care Threads, a podcast where human services and post-acute leaders across the healthcare continuum come together to discuss industry trends, challenges, and opportunities. Listen as we uncover real stories about how to innovate and improve the quality of care for the communities we serve. Let's get into the show. Welcome everyone to our discussion today. And thank you in advance for Jennifer and Hank for your participation and your expertise in the industries that you serve. So today we're going to have a lot of fun, um, have good conversation regarding integrated care and, and how we take those concepts to action and to drive those models across your organization. So we have a few goals, a few objectives that we want to achieve during our time together. So we're, we're going to kind of dive deep in defining integrated care and doing it through the lens of Jennifer and Hank's organization, as well as from the, the viewpoints of NetSmart as well, and really focusing around the technology side. Also getting into how integrated care is being delivered. So whether that's delivered through partnerships or working with uh, different health plans or operationalizing it inside of your organization, uh, really going to get into some of those details to help you um, as you're thinking about your integrated care strategies. Also, we're going to look at some challenges and opportunities, so lessons learned around implementing integrated care models uh, within organizations, and then also talking about some of the technology pieces. So what are the things that need to work from a data sharing perspective, from a, a virtual care perspective? and so forth. So taking a deeper dive in some of the tech spaces. So first, I'm really excited to have Jennifer Miller here with us from North Range to provide some context around uh, integrated care. So Jennifer, do you mind introducing yourself, giving us a little bit of your background, as well as introduce us to North Range Behavioral Health? Thank you for having me here today, AJ. Um, so I'm Jennifer Miller. I'm the Program Director for North Range Behavioral Health's Integrated Care System. North Range is the Weld County Community Mental Health Center. We are a CCBHC. Um, we are celebrating 50 years this year as an agency, so that's exciting. And we provide a very wide variety of behavioral health services within the community. Specifically within integrated care, we partner with our local community health clinic. Um, and so we're co-located and embedded within six clinics here in the county um, and have staff at a couple of additional sites outside of those clinics as well. I've been in uh, behavioral health for about eight years, a little over, and my history has been mainly with crisis services. So I worked a number of years um, in our crisis response team and helped with our uh, respite program within that team and then also worked a number of years with our acute treatment unit, which is our inpatient uh, psychiatric facility. Perfect. Do you mind telling us a little bit about how you're defining integrated care through the lens of North Range Behavioral Health? So we really recognize the um, interconnectedness and importance of looking at the whole health of a person. So really understanding that physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual well-being are all part of what people need to really reach their overall wellness goals. Um, so within North Range, our integrated care model allows us to partner with our local physical health providers to really wrap services around people in the place that they're most comfortable. So we're, we're able to really meet individuals where they want to be met 
and partner with their ongoing primary care physicians or health teams to make sure that we're providing holistic services and really addressing and identifying all of their needs as one cohesive treatment team. And just a quick follow-up on that, from the holistic approach to care, I talked a little bit about social determinants of health in my opening. How are you incorporating social determinants of health as part of that interdisciplinary team? So like I said, we work very closely with our providers. We're located in the same location. We really target some of those marginalized populations and help identify what are the barriers that they're experiencing to getting the treatment that they need. What are the things that we could help set up or help resource for them to make sure that they're able to meet all of their health goals, um, whether that's physical health or behavioral health, whether that's medication or ongoing therapy, and then how do we help them reduce those barriers? Is it helping set up transportation? Is it trying to provide childcare so they can attend groups? And we do a number of different things within clinics, so we really identify some of those populations that are more marginalized and provide specific services to those populations to make sure that their specific needs are being met. Fantastic. Thank you, Jennifer. Appreciate that. Hank, welcome uh, to the, the webinar. Do you mind introducing yourself a little bit about your background and introduce us to American Health Partners? Yeah, happy to do it. And uh, thanks for having me. So American Health Partners uh, organization has been around for going on uh, 35 years. It's taken the, the path of, a, in some ways, a traditional post-acute care organization. And then here more recently, I think have uh, forged ahead into to some of these integrated care value-based uh, models in, in a really effective way. But in short, uh, the organization owns and operates businesses in seven different divisions, including nursing homes, home health and hospice, institutional pharmacy, uh, psychiatric services in both the acute setting and, and outpatient uh, rehab nurse practitioner services uh, all wrapped around uh, our most recent uh, addition to the American Health Partners family, American Health Plans, which is a Medicare Advantage plan uh, that is provider-owned. And uh, the, the driver of that uh, uniquely the organization that's been around this long providing services in the post-acute care space, about uh, six years ago, uh, myself and, and our executive team came into the organization that came from a managed care background and uh, we're able to bring a lot of the, the components of the Medicare Advantage world into a provider organization in recognition that reimbursement risk was getting pushed down from payers to providers, whether you wanted it or not. And so saw the opportunity to bring some of that skill set into a provider organization and build out capabilities, not only within our footprint and uh, our six provider services divisions, but offer up a solution to providers and our brethren around the country. And uh, you know, we'll dive into that, I'm sure, through this conversation. But uh, that's been the, the focus of our organization over the last six years is to drive our organization away from fee-for-service and begin to bridge those different divisions through a unified clinical model, which is, as often is the case, reliant and dependent on a unified reimbursement structure. And my role within that as a development officer is to uh, help develop those opportunities uh, for the organization, partnerships with another, other organizations in our space and, and uh, parallel to us. And actually rebranded to American Health Partners very intentionally six years ago for that purpose. Uh, we're, we're very focused on joint venture relationships with other providers 
not just operating within the um, continuum within American Health. Fantastic. Thank you, Hank. And you talked a little bit around kind of what integrated care means from your perspective as you're moving from the fee-for-service model and bridging into value-based care. But is there anything else you would add from, you know, other aspects of the integrated care through the lens of American Health Partners? Yeah, I think in short, uh, the company did a good job of establishing businesses across the continuum, but the mechanism to link those and um, knock down the silo, even when they're underneath the same parent organization, is difficult. You're dependent on external organizations, Medicare Advantage plans or Medicare itself and others to allow for that clinical model of care linkage, to allow for that unified reimbursement. And so for us, the model of care includes the reimbursement model because those incentives are so important. And so for us to layer in a payment mechanism that allowed us to overlay the different divisions and take true ownership of our residents and our patients' clinical story required us to take ownership of the financial components of that as well and not be dependent on third parties to that end. And so that's where we, we've set out to do and, and have been able to uh, integrate not only our different divisions, but also integrate our um, uh, provider partners around the country. And as you think about some of these themes, scale, resources, uh, align incentives are so important. And uh, that's a big part of what our story has been over the last six years. Fantastic. That is great, Hank. And I think this is going to be the model that you are deploying out and executing on is going to lend well to this conversation, Phil. So thank you very much. And now we'll, we'll kind of get into the meat of it a little bit here. So Jennifer, I'll start with you. So when you think about, we talked about how healthcare delivery is shifted um, into more of the on-demand or open access and utilizing tools like telehealth as an example. Can you talk about how North Range Behavioral Health is working within the concept of meeting individuals where they are? And, and what does that mean for you? And how are you putting people and processes in place in order to best serve individuals, knowing that a one size does not fit all for everyone? COVID really brought that to light, right? It had to be that quick shift into how do we get people the services they need and in a way that's still meaningful for them. Um, so as an agency, we really, you know, dove into that and, and really said, how do we reach people? So we use kind of a combination at this point. Um, you know, telehealth is certainly something that is readily available throughout our agency and can um, meet the needs of some individuals. We still offer in-person sessions or services as well. We know some people prefer to be in that room with you and be meeting you face-to-face. -face. Some uh, groups and such are hybrid, so it really allows people to choose. Do you want to come in in person or do you want to kind of zoom in, do telehealth, um, you know, be joining us from home? And we recognize pretty quickly that within our community, we still have this population of folks that maybe didn't want to be in person but also maybe didn't have the resources to be able to join via telehealth. So we also offer um, the resource for people who maybe don't have a computer or a phone readily available to come into the office, but still be able to join via telehealth from another room so that we're really meeting folks where they're at. The other piece is just having staff available in the integrated care model in particular, wherever the person is gonna be most comfortable. 
Excellent. And, and when you think about, you know, implementing that model, that co-location model, what are some considerations that organizations need to think about from a, a process perspective or how you actually, from a clinical perspective, implementing a behavioral health, physical health integrated model? So fortunately, I was very lucky to inherit this beautiful system that was already built between our partnership, right? We've been doing this since about 2007. So I think we've worked through some of those strategies along the way. But really, I think it it comes down to having that, that dedicated goal of serving the community and really from leadership down, being dedicated to making it work and being dedicated to serving the community as one versus as two separate entities. You know, the beautiful thing in the partnership that we have developed over the years is that that um, dedication and loyalty between the two agencies has been so strong that there's really a commitment to making it work and to continue making it work we recognize as a behavioral health care agency that we don't want to be a medical provider. We don't want to have to hire medical teams. We don't want to have to train. And our partners recognize that as well. They don't want to be behavioral health providers. They're medical providers. That's what they want to do. So really leaning on each other's strengths and being determined to really be one team and have that same goal and have that same purpose has been the biggest thing that I think has been our success within this program. And just working through things as they come up, staying in communication, and then transparency, I think, is the other thing, right? Certainly, um, you know, within behavioral health care, there is a high level of confidentiality that we must maintain for our clients. But having some level of transparency between the two teams has been instrumental to our success. So within our partnership, you know, our staff have access to the, the system, the medical records, for the clinic so they can see the medical records of anyone that's coming through and there's obviously a release of information for that um, but that allows us to really communicate freely freely with providers in that system so that we can document what we need to in ours but we're able to have the whole communication picture within their system and i think that's been an instrumental part of our success as well that's great. And that kind of moves into the technology piece a little bit. And, and Hank, as, as you talked a little bit about American Health Partners and the move into value-based care and the partnerships that you are creating in the ecosystem from physicians to hospitals, even to the health plans themselves, um, technology plays a role. And, you know, when you think about the being able to access and share data to help improve care coordination. So kind of from your perspective, from, uh, you know, how does technology play a role when you're thinking about even in your, um, uh, in the context of the Medicare Advantage plan and the integrated care models where you're, you know, trying to ultimately reduce risk, unnecessary hospitalizations and, and improve quality and even length of stay. How does technology play a role when you're having these conversations and forging these partnerships in the community? Yeah, so one of the real value propositions of provider-owned Medicare Advantage plans, which is, is what we are, and uh, oftentimes um, that gets lost actually in, in the process, and there's so much work going into it, and, and your uh, boots on the ground that sometimes you have to pause and say, you know, we are a Medicare Advantage plan here, and what does that really mean? Uh, and as a Medicare Advantage plan, one of the most complicated positions in the healthcare ecosystem because you're sitting in between uh, CMS, the resident member and the providers, both your provider partners and affiliated providers, but also the network of providers that are required to own and operate 
a Medicare Advantage plan, and then the family members associated with that member. Uh, so you're at that pivot point, and uh, obviously that flow of information um, is critical, and uh, just the, the blocking and tackling associated with all those different data components and, and technology components is critical to being successful, compliant. Real, you know, when you're a Medicare Advantage plan, CMS use you as they have outsourced this beneficiary to you. And so they're watching you closely and, and holding you uh, to high levels of standards associated with that relationship. But the whole reason we're taking that step is that we're confident we can better manage the care of our patients and residents as the MA plan than a more traditional large MA plan could, given our intimate relationship with those patients and residents. And so for us, uh, and I think this is proven to be the case on, on things like telemedicine and others, uh, you don't start with the technology and then build your workflow around it. We're very intentional about touching our, our members and residents, being there at the bedside, having an intimate relationship through our staff in the field, having that intensive model of care focused on additional clinical resources, proactive clinical resources, and all those pieces. If you do that, uh, the technology value proposition becomes obvious. I think where you can get into the challenge is when you try to build workflows around you know, a, basically a, a solution in search of a problem. Um, so we start with basic blocking and tackling, good clinicians providing good proactive care and having the, the financial resources available to deploy those resources. And from there, you're able to identify ways to improve and, and, and identify opportunities from a clinical perspective. And we talk a lot of times about as the MA plan, you have more data than you could ever ask for. As a provider, you're always begging for data. But as the MA plan, you have it. And all the claims are running through you. And so it becomes a question of how do you digest that and make it actionable and um, boil it down to uh, really focused tasks. So uh, at the end of the day, we, we pride ourselves on being boots on the ground next to the patient, touching them, knowing you know, what their uh, needs are, knowing their, their, their dynamics. Buzz terms like social determinants of health Jennifer, I'm sure your organization's known about those things forever. It's just been a question of who's paying for it. Do I have the resources to affect that? And as the, a provider and MA plan, you get to make those determinations. And, um, and that's been the, the, the real uh, value prop. And then to apply the technology resources around that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, looking at the, you know, the clinical models, the engagement models first, and then how does technology come in to support those? I think I 100% agree that uh, technology needs to be enabler of those models because that's the value that you bring not only to your residents, but also to the rest of the stakeholders. So maybe a follow-up question is, Hank, is, you know, how do you think about you know, building partnerships because this is obviously um, American Health Partners in in your in your provider led managed care plan. How do you think about partnerships on the community, uh, hospitals, uh, physician networks, and uh, go about forging those? Yeah, the the concept on paper of uh, provider and Medicare Advantage plan sounds obvious. Well, of course, why not? Who's better positioned to do this? But there's a tremendous amount of infrastructure required to be an MA plan, there's meaningful capital, and the number one inhibitor is scale. And so even for us, you know, we have a relatively good scale in our local region from a nursing home standpoint, home health and others, but we couldn't justify developing a Medicare Advantage plan on our own, given the infrastructure requirements associated with that. Um, just wasn't enough membership. And so even in our own market, we 
quote unquote kind of reached across the aisle, so to speak, and, and folks that we've competed with for uh, years to develop joint venture relationships around this product. If you think about who we're targeting, our specific product is institutional special needs plan typically, and um, that's a long-term care resident, likely a dual eligible living in a nursing home. And they have very specific needs. And for us to come together with the other uh, providers in our community to develop this plan allows all of us to provide additional clinical resources and more proactive care and integrated care to these folks that otherwise wouldn't be available. And so we took that model and, and in each state went and found uh, the high quality, well-respected, typically locally uh, managed and locally owned um, operators in those states and created joint ventures where we could bring capital and infrastructure and capability and experience on the Medicare Advantage side. And, and they could do what they do really well, which is provide great care to the residents. But they now have a seat at the table on terms of how that model of care is structured. They have a, a significant upside on the, the outcomes and we can come together and create scale through joint venture and syndication of other providers. And so in any given market, we'll have two, three, four, even five providers that have invested real capital alongside us to develop these plans. Um, that aligns incentives and uh, creates a lot of uh, sharing of information and, and uh, best practices. And nobody feels like they're on an island. We're a provider too, so we can point back to the work we're doing in our home market, in our facilities, et cetera. So it's worked out well, but I think Jennifer said it right. It's a lot of conviction. It's a, a big step. It's a significant shift away from some of the fee-for-service siloed models of the past. And the vehicle's there to do it. That's the key. It works. The model works, but doesn't mean it's not a big uh, leap for any organization to take that step. And, and given the last you know, few years and the challenges we all face, the advantages are obviously obvious clinically, um, but getting there isn't isn't nothing. You got to put a lot of time, effort, and conviction behind it. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that you're, you know, I think the key piece that you just touched on was the best practices and visibility to the outcomes and looking at how do I impact outcomes and before the reporting period ends. So having those data insights, identifying gaps in gear, or even closing them before they even become a gap. And I think, you know, Jennifer, from kind of your perspective, when you talk about the, the, your partnerships, uh, we talked about with the primary care side, you know, how do you think about and talking about data? So having data available for both on the behavioral health and on the physical health side. So how are you thinking about solving for, you know, data sharing, access to information um, so that information is readily available at the point of service, uh, whether they're engaging through the behavioral health front door or in, from the primary care front door. So we, um, we currently use both systems, like I mentioned. So all of our data is readily available within our, our primary care health record system. They're able to pull all the data they need from their system, which is readily accessible anytime we need it. Um, but we also want to capture that data for our agency for the behavioral health side. So we also um, reference that in our behavioral health side and bill out of that system. Um, and then we can pull data to reflect services from our own system as well. Um, so that's the, the, the process that we currently use. Again, the beautiful thing about our partnership is 
that we really talk to each other so frequently that pulling the data is very seamless. Whether we pull from one site or the other, we're able to access that data really instantaneously when we need it through our electronic medical records and reports. Um, so that's been a beautiful, um, I guess, way to track data and to make sure we're aligning things where they need to be, you know, making sure people are getting the right services, making sure we're following up on maybe what they're seeing in clinic. Um, and so that transparency between the systems has been a really nice way to support clients and support the community needs overall. Yeah, it's it's interesting as we look at, you know, the role that technology will play in that. You know, you talked about your community partnerships. So working with schools, uh, even community centers, libraries, even law enforcement around how do we create a, a wider uh, front door for individuals to, to come into care. And we've been seeing a lot of clients and organizations utilizing um, technologies like telehealth, like uh, consumer engagement platforms to make that door as wide open as possible, but also to have a streamlined process of how an organization can help manage those uh, inquiries or access for individuals into care and services. Uh, and then looking at how to one, leverage the technology to get them into care, but not once they're in care, how do we continue to uh, wrap our arms around and have a finger on the pulse of those individuals in between the clinical services? So things like um, telehealth is one, but also looking at kind of health status monitoring, um, you know, how do we drive assessments out to individuals to see how they're doing, and then based on how their responses are, then drives a, a, a very specific target intervention. So I think that the solution is complex, um, but a piece of that is around technology and even to, to Hank's point, how do we leverage technology in order to enable um, our, our staff, our teams, and, and, our, and our clinical models, um, which I think is a really important part, one of the pieces to the puzzle that uh, we're looking to solve for. So, you know, so kind of moving into you, Hank, if, if um, you know, Jennifer was talking about some of those different um, kind of provider models um, when looking at kind of the behavioral health aspect. So when you're out and you're looking at kind of, you, you mentioned the, the ISNP, um, there's also the hospital in the home or even uh, skilled services in the home. You know, how do you think about meeting a, a need or a demand and putting together a, a model of a, a clinical approach model to address some of these different types of um, services as the kind of the industry is shifting uh, even to more care in the home, as an example. Yeah, um, yeah. Big part of where we build and where we're headed is the is kind of a tiered approach, where starting with provider-owned uh, risk program, Medicare Advantage program in a uh, institutional setting is a good place to start. You have uh, maximum clinical impact and, and control, and as you expand beyond those four walls. The ability to drive that model of care becomes more challenging, but there's you know, obviously a lot of opportunity as well. And so we're really thoughtful about what makes a provider-owned MA plan successful. What is the trade-off to significant scale is intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so um, we want to make sure that our providers that are partnered with, these are organizations that know, they know what they need to do. They know what uh, resources should be deployed and when and how um, they just never have had the mechanism to do that in the past 
if you had uh, aspirations to expand beyond, if you're a nursing home provider, for example, and you have aspirations to expand beyond the facility, where do you start? Um, even simple things like inside the nursing home, old uh, antiquated fee-for-service reimbursement structures just steer things in the wrong direction oftentimes. And so we, we uh, talk about reimbursement models and controlling the Medicare premium from a clinical standpoint as much as a financial standpoint, because you can't de- redeploy resources unless you control the model of care and the flow of funds associated with that model of care. And so uh, the best laid plans have oftentimes ended at the doorstep of a large MA plan where you come in and say, I got this great story. We'd love to provide care in a certain way. Will you all contract with us accordingly? And the large MA plan, just because they're large and they have other things and their mechanisms to create value fall more in line with contract negotiations and utilization management, not proactive model of care and investing at the bedside and investing alongside providers. They don't get funded is a short version of it. And so uh, when we look at opportunities to in the facility, to expand beyond the facility into the community, we're looking at it from a standpoint of we don't want to um, get away from that intimate relationship with our members. We describe it as our members are our patients and our patients are our members. So that's one. Um, and then two, can we work within the, the, the realities of owning the Medicare premium and reinvest those dollars away from traditional fee-for-service mechanisms. So instead of spending 55, 60% of the Medicare premium dollar on hospitalizations, what if we invested in nurse practitioners at the bedside? And that, that financial return is, is there alongside with the obvious clinical return. Um, so that's how when we're looking at new models, new sites of care, our model of care is a capital M, capital C, submitted to CMS, scored by NCQA. Um, it's it's an intensive process, but the uh, there are enough dollars there to have dramatic impact on clinical outcomes if the provider is actually providing the care to, to, to deploy those resources. And what are the um, what are some of the if you can help kind of paint the picture of you know, how the, the reimbursement model works, how it, how do quality measures, you kind of talked about NCQA, how do quality measures tie in uh, to the model? And then maybe a double click down, how do you then ensure or drive clinical care to hit those quality measures? Yeah, the um, beauty of the model of care is the, the quality and clinical outcomes align so well with the financial outcomes. A bad clinical event is hospitalization. A bad financial event is hospitalization. So, uh, and there's obviously other process out measures behind that, that um, both as a plan and as a provider, you've got to be checking those boxes as well. But all those things become obvious inside a proactive model of care when you're taking the, the, the financial risk and deploying the clinical resources accordingly. So folks are going to get their screenings. Um, they're going to have their high touch. They're going to have their coordinated transitions of care because we ha- all have the incentive to do that. And uh, the model of care is structured accordingly. They're, they're obviously, you, you can find bad, bad apples anywhere, but providers aren't inherently bad at those things. They're not aligned uh, with uh, their, their uh, reimbursement uh, programs. And so those concepts emerge out of trying to fit a quality program inside a fee-for-service world. When you replace that fee-for-service world with full ownership 
of the Medicare premium, then those things become uh, obvious mechanisms along the path of taking true accountability for our, our mem members and our residents' care. Um, and so we're tracking all those things. We're uh, making sure that our uh, care management team is in the know and, and we're, we're backfilling those. But those those pieces are there, um, that they happen. Your, your, your medication management, all those things are all part of the model of care because the provider now owns uh, that story and uh, we know what needs to happen. Uh, are we perfect? No, but we're a long ways from that fee-for-service model uh, where we're trying to balance what we know we should be doing with how we can be sustainable as an organization. This does that a lot better. Oh, that, that's great. I think that the, the measurement system is really important. And Jennifer, you know, thinking about, obviously with CCBHC, we have pretty defined measures, but you know, how, how does North Range um, measure uh, success? So what, you know, how do you determine is our, is our integrated care model working well? What are some of those success factors um, that you, you point to? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest one obviously being hopefully we get someone through the level of care and they don't need us anymore, right? Our idea is to kind of work ourselves out of a job um, by meeting the needs of the community. And certainly there's data for days. You know, I think um, a big part of it is engagement. Are we engaging the folks when they need to be? Hospitalizations plays into that. Are we able to keep people out of the hospital? Um, termination rates, you know, are people successfully completing their treatment with us and moving on to bigger and better things in the world? Um, so there's a number of, you know, things that we look at agency-wide within integrated care specifically. We really are looking at providing kind of those short um, solution-based kind of services for folks. So are we seeing them back in clinic with their providers with similar symptoms within the next six months, year, whatever is going on? Um, are we able to help them manage to stay out of the hospital? Are we able to get them connected to potentially, if, if they're experiencing substance use um, problems, with our medication-assisted therapy program? And are they being successful in being able to manage their symptoms through that program. Um, so really it is that client-centered approach of are we seeing progress in our, in our population and the folks that we're working with? And are we getting them to the place that they no longer need our services? Um, I would say that that's probably the biggest thing we look at and are we being successful in meeting the needs of our clients? And it, you know that that's great. And, and you know, I think about you know how you know how does how does an organization like North Range how do you keep the providers in sync as far as those goals are concerned? So I would imagine when you're you know you're looking at the impacts of hospitalization or rehospitalization, um, there's a number of different factors <laughs> that could be driving that. Could it be medication adherence? It could be um that a, a social need of the person wasn't met it could be something on the the, the the physical health side maybe the social need wasn't met so they didn't take their diabetes medication which then drove them to the hospital so i guess when you're when you're thinking about different teams that maybe are part of north range but then also part of your partnership so how do you kind of have that shared approach to driving those optimal outcomes? I guess more of the the collaboration, how are you co collaborating with those partners in that vein? Yeah, I think that comes down to communication, right? And being on the same page. And so for us, it's vitally important that we are communicating with those providers. If we're seeing someone whose you know, symptoms are becoming more transparent, 
can we get them in with the doc and talk about would a medication be appropriate to help them? If they're seeing that some of those social factors are playing a role and someone's maybe struggling with increased stress, increased depression, increased anxiety, can they connect them with us quickly? And so I think it's that instant ability to connect about clients while they're in the room, right? They can have a patient in the room who's discussing life stressors that are really taking a toll on them. Rather than having to make that referral, they can just call and we can come right into the room and get them engaged into those services immediately so that we can start making that impact and hopefully then avoid that hospitalization. And then I think it's collaboration within our agency. You know, if we know someone's struggling and we're seeing them in our integrated care program in clinic, giving that heads up to our crisis team and saying, hey, you know, this person's not doing well. You may see them. We may send them over to you. What would be helpful for that person to support them? Um, and just really working as one collaborative entity, if you will, to make sure that we're communicating about those needs and getting them the services and support they need as quickly and efficiently as possible um, to help support avoiding that hospitalization or to help support that continued growth and progress in their care and treatment. No, that, that, that's fantastic. I think communication uh, and collaboration is key. I think a piece of that is um, having good data and, you know, how are we sharing data and, and sharing it more um, in the context of, of uh, seamlessly and then having it available at the point of service. So I think that's a, a big piece. And, and Hank talked about that as well, as far as, you know, how are we helping drive the clinical standard forward? And the it gets a little more um, complicated when there are relationships outside the four walls. And I think that from a, a data sharing perspective, that's one of the key pieces. And then a good clinical practice and a bridge between different care settings uh, is important as well. You know, so, so kind of as we come in a little bit, um, you know, I, I want to ask each of you, Jennifer, I'll talk to you first, um, if you could put kind of your crystal ball out there you know, where do you, where do you see integrated care going? So as you're, as Northridge is thinking about planning into the future, you know, what does that look like from your perspective, from an integrated care model moving out into the, you know, one to three to five year perspective? I think um, for us, at least here, integrated care will continue to grow, you know, as the needs of the community grow, as the needs of our partners grow, we will continue to strive to meet those needs in any way that we can. So I think it'll continue to grow and it'll continue to enhance, you know, as we're identifying, um, you know, new things we can do to support the populations or new things we can do to support the community. We will continue to expand to meet those needs as much as possible. I think, um, you know, we'll offer whatever services are helpful. We'll continue to build partnerships and collaboration. Um, and I think it really will just continue to, to flourish and to develop not only our partnership, but our ability to serve our community. No, that, that's fantastic. And, you know, and a similar thought from you, uh, Hank, on kind of where you're seeing the market going from these different models of care that we've talked about and how um, American Health Partners positioning themselves into the future. Yeah, the... Uh... From where I sit, a lot of the, uh, there's, there's, uh, everyone knows the push to value-based care. You know, one thing we stress is the concept of risk. We all have risk today as fee-for-service providers. It presents this idea that we don't have risk today. There's a tremendous amount of risk, collections, bad debt, uh, utilization management, prior authorizations, ADRs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, th this concept of, of moving down the path 
in, in some ways, there's a, a great quote that capitation should is freeing. And I think providers are going to increasingly seek that capitation. They're going to increasingly seek ownership of that premium dollar. Uh, we believe that Medicare Advantage is going to be the program that wins long term. There's going to be a lot of iterations on the Medicare fee for service side. You see that even just within the ACO direct contracting now reach ACO models. Uh, there, there's those are all moving in that direction as the Medicare Advantage world continues to expand. And so as a provider who has you know, increasingly had experiences out there, primary care providers and, and the like are sitting there saying, I've, I've been in ACO for four or five years. It keeps shifting. I don't control the data. I keep getting ratcheted down. I know what I need to do. How do I actually take full ownership of this situation? And, and we think the provider owned Medicare Advantage world is going to continue to expand. Folks are going to be creative about solving for the question of scale through syndication and joint ventures and mergers and the like. And then on the back side of that, what happens? Organizations like Jennifer's become increasingly valuable. It's less about having that surgeon and more about having that uh, services that can control and care for these folks uh, in the ways that need to be cared for that maybe in the past weren't the focus of a fee-for-service world but will become really incredibly valuable to have integrated into your model of care when you own that Medicare Advantage premium. And so um, that's where we see the world going. Uh, providers trying to move up that proverbial food chain and find the services beyond what they offer to ensure that they're executing on that model of care. That's great. I mean, it paints a really clear picture, both of you, around how organizations can play offense. Um, and help chart their own path forward and looking for opportunities uh, to differentiate the fantastic clinical service offering that organizations have and how to get a bigger piece of the pie. And there's a lot of considerations as both you, you both have shared uh, from, a, from a clinical, from a partnership, um, from um, taking on that risk, as you talked about, whether you, you realize you already are or not. But then there's also the technology component as well. Um, and that's where kind of we see our role to, to helping that and looking at it from, you know, some of the concepts both of you shared around, you know, how do I uh, ensure that data is being seamlessly shared um, across the different organizations that are going to impact the outcomes uh, whether I'm directly delivering those services or through my partner, I need to make sure that the, the clinical information is available inside of a workflow. Um, also, we talked about the, you know, how do we streamline those referral sources so that we make it really easy for a referral source to send us um, uh, individuals to enter into our care. And then how are we reciprocating uh, that information back to those sources and showing the outcomes uh, in order to kind of stay in that narrow network mindset. Uh, and then also we touched on the, the virtual care and how does that play into account both on uh, direct service delivery, but also in looking at how do I expand uh, my services out to other partners and doing it in a way that is seamless uh, for the partner as well as for the individual and creating that digital footprint uh, in the community. So when we think about uh, the word scale a couple of times, how do I leverage virtual care as a way for me to scale my services out in the community? So um, uh, uh, taking us in for a landing, I, I really want to thank both Jennifer and Hank for your time today. 
for the great conversation and insight. I think it gave a really nice perspective and balance on uh, different sides of healthcare and how they come together in order to provide the highest quality of care for the individual. At NetSmart, we understand the challenges facing provider organizations. Our team will help you navigate changing value-based care models with solutions and services that make person-centered care a reality. We'll equip you with technology and services that provide holistic, real-time views of care histories that inform better decision-making and better outcomes. Visit us today at ntst.com. NetSmart, serving you so you can serve others. Thanks for listening to the NetSmart Care Threads podcast. Through collaboration and conversation, we can work together to make healthcare more connected than ever before and better support the communities we serve. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.